This is a Barita podcast, which is a medium for information purposes only. This podcast is not a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. This isn't a research report, nor intended to serve as a basis for making any investment decisions. Contact a licensed investment advisor before making any financial decisions. Let's get into the Barita podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Barita podcast. You can see former episodes at barita.com slash podcast all right so we are joined today by two of barita's finest richardo and darren thanks very much all right so i just right at the top you can just introduce yourselves quickly and say what you do at barita go ahead richardo all right thanks darren um richardo williams avp for investment research and portfolio advisor or investment strategy rather portfolio advisor and I'm Darren McGregor, Head of Investment Research and Portfolio Advisory. All right, great. So let's get straight into it, guys. Um, in terms of Barita's 2023 investment outlook, right? Um, like, how do you see things? You know, just give us an overview and then maybe we can spend some time talking about what happened in 22 and why it happened. But uh, right at the top, tell me your views. All right, sure. I mean, um, in many ways, what we're seeing in 2023 is a continuation of the key themes in 2022, which is elevated um, inflation. And what that means is the expectation for continued um, interest rate increases uh, across most central banks. So interest rates are likely to remain higher for longer. Um, because inflation has been particularly sticky. In other words, it, it has not um, come down at the pace which um, we anticipated. You know, those who are in quote-unquote team transitory, mm-hmm. um, inflation has, has, has become a, a bit more um, um, permanent or structural, right? We also need to add to that um, the continued geopolitical backdrop. Those are likely to actually escalate in 2023. Um, In fact, we're seeing um, a lot more discussions um, and talks or concerns about what is happening in the geopolitical space, particularly what could eventuate between China and Russia um, and the possible ramifications therefrom the continued empire between um, Russia and Ukraine and there is also a potential conflict between China and Taiwan which is happening out there in the, um, in the, the, in the, in the Southeast Asia right so when you take all of those into consideration the possibility exists that should any one of those um, geopolitical factors blow out. It could actually have ramifications for inflation, which becomes more structural, and consequently, it flows through to your expectations for for interest rates. Right. So, in a nutshell, um, Raul, um, hedging my answer to you, it's 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 we are walking a tightrope in 2023, um, and it means that we're expected returns are um, are concerned um, skilled investment managers can still harvest some of that volatility particularly in um, credit markets 
because you know you 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 are seeing the possibility of getting north of five percent on some almost risk-free assets just now without necessarily taking on um, extensive duration in other words a lot of interest rate risk by staying short right so we have that on the credit side equities some sectors um, still remain fairly attractive um, as well and of course the commodities um, space continues to to perform um, albeit at a halting pace as compared to 2022 so that in a nutshell i think is how we're seeing 2023 um, shaping up okay i mean so the world is a dangerous place <laughs> not sure okay. um and uh so i mean you spoke a lot about inflation you spoke a lot about interest rates right so just because you did it was a rough year for stock markets generally last year right so 2022 was rough are the twin linked in terms of the higher interest rates and the higher inflation do you attribute that as a driving force to the negative performance of stock markets in 2022 in some respects um yes because if you if you just do um to call an attribution analysis you know mm-hmm. just see what were the primary drivers of returns and let's just take us equities as an example um then you can definitely draw a line from interest rates to the actual returns that you that you you received um because most of the the returns were driven by um tech stocks mm-hmm. um last last year um on the downside yeah. i should say um but you but you also would have feared pretty handsomely if you had um exposure to to energy because mm-hmm. energy stocks did mm-hmm. fantastic yeah um last last year um and you could have done an all-weather kind of um, approach uh, which buffett actually did and beat the mark by about 22 percent mm-hmm. right so so what i'm giving is is a more nuance first we say yes while you have um the 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 degree of causality moving from interest rates to a particular um, return that you saw in equities if you played the, the market right you could actually get um positive positive returns the, the the mechanism that exists that links interest rates to say equities for example in particular tech is um so we call like your equity duration because mm. you usually think of duration and fixed fixed income you know right the sensitivity of your 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 cash flows um to movements in interest rates a similar thing obtains in tech because many of these so-called unicorns their cash flows are so far out into the future so it means any change in interest rates will make your um, will make their prices far more sensitive, right? And that is essentially what happens. So increasing interest rates, those prices kind of kind of plummeted. So there's a significant degree of equity um, duration there. And then closer to the year, when there were some talks about maybe the Fed backtracking, mm-hmm. you saw that tech started to perform yeah. again. And year to date, 2023, that is kind of the same thing um, that is that is that is happening, which is ne- not necessarily a good thing because we, we we might be seeing 
the building up of a potential short squeeze mm. right yeah so just to add some color to that so um in the current environment what we face now is um a potential for um an increase in in real yields in the near term as the fed continues to hike interest rates and you know you have that expectation of interest rates moderating or coming down in the near term and there are a couple of um sectors or industries that tend to perform well um during that environment in line with what Richard was saying about um, duration of, of these. So um, he had mentioned technology, which yes, um, tends to perform poorly in, in, in such an environment. That's one of the, the industries that you kind of want to underweight. Mm. Um, another such example would be media and entertainment, um, materials, industrials, where you do want to, to um, skew your portfolio towards in this environment are sectors such as financials, um, energy, consumer staples, healthcare, um, e- utilities as well, which, and again, going back to the structure of their cash flows, um, these tend to be more stable businesses. Their cash flows are centered more closely to the present, mm-hmm. right? So they have less of that, you know, longer duration exposure um, relative to tech on some of these other sectors, which are you know, more sensitive to the business cycle. Okay, all right, so thanks for that. Like, so there's a lot there. Uh, we talk about equity duration, right? And the thing is, I, I figure you're speaking more about your typical tech startup or unicorn that has profitability or free cash flow way off into the future, right? But the mega caps, I mean, they have very strong cash flows, right? Um, and they they got crushed. You know, it's your, your Amazons, your mm. Facebook, the Googles of the world. They got crushed last year, right? And I, I want to come back to the why, but what 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 I'm what I'm what I'm trying to nail down just to start is 2022 was a a difficult year for investors generally yes u.s stock market jamaican stock market mm-hmm. well jamaican main market right u.s s&p generally for the bond market why yeah i mean i mean <laughs> the, there's no one particular there's no one particular um reason mm-hmm. right um and which is why in 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 answering you i referenced energy for example and i also referenced um say how warren buffett's oh, portfolio yeah. came out yeah, you know so 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 what so what, so what we're saying is to 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 determine the causality you have to look at the primary factors what we know mm. one is that um Coming into 2022, uh, no one anticipated that the Fed would have increased interest rates at the rapid rate and pace at which it did. Because the the Fed, even though it did not say it explicitly um, by its own actions, it demonstrated that they were behind the curve, meaning that um, they took they too to long. Up, right? right. And as we saw, it is the, the pace at which they hiked 
um, it was one of the fastest in modern in modern history, right? So that obviously will work its way throughout the economy. Analytically, when you're calculating like your expected returns and so forth, um, at the base of that are your your risk-free rates, so forth. So to the extent that interest rates are, and this is for all asset classes, yeah. right? So in, in a simplest simple way not simply but a simple way if you have your cash flows in your enumerate and interest rates in a denominator this is for all um, asset classes once your interest rate begins to go up mm-hmm. right and let's say your cash flows in the numerator remain the same then your resulting value is going to come down right okay. try your prices through so that is why the s p your um and, and your bonds which is the pretty much the, the, the typical asset class that you use so mm-hmm. to motivate this example that you know those prices fell as well once the cost of capital and the economy begins to increase, then that is going to have a downward impact um, on your on, on, on your prices. No, right. just to encapsulate that. Yeah, man. the I mean we refer to a hurdle rate, right? And all of us watch track and field, right? So it's a hurdle, right? Is it fair to describe the policy rate's impact on the hurdle rate that we use to value assets? as essentially pushing it up and making the hurdle higher to jump over yeah man because right. that is that is that is how you know uh, modern economies um work you know yeah the central bank's policy rate mm-hmm. basically sets the tone for every other rate um in the industry it's cost of money that is that is the you know the economy. so if we so is it fear then during if I'm if I'm summing all of this conversation up so far, to say that the Federal Reserve had a historically fast pace of interest rate increases, correct, right, and then that that kind of I mean locally, more locally, the, it, the Bank of Jamaica was obliged to follow that in in a sense. Um, the Jamaica, I would not say obliged to follow because the BOJ actually moved first. Okay. Right. All right. All right. Fine. So, but in so many top, we had rapid in- interest rate increases in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Rapid interest rate increases Local. in 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 Jamaica, mm-hmm. and is that the single? If you had to pick out the most important factor for what was downward pressure on markets, right? Um, both equity markets and bond markets. It it. Would you look at that as one of the key driving forces? Yeah, that would be one of the key driving forces. And it's not really just about um, the magnitude of the change. We have to also look at where interest rates were coming from. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, interest rates were, were coming from, you know, a range of 0.25 um, on the U.S. side. You know, you had treasuries um, yielding below 2%. You know, so, so these are brushing against, you know, the... That's U.S. government debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's brushing against some, you know, low lower bounds from a historical standpoint, right? Now, if you start from that position and then you raise at the fastest pace or or among the fastest pace, um, historically, you're going to have a big dislocation there, right? Because everything is priced for you know rosy future, you know. Um, 
an, another element of that is when you have in, um, inflation increasing but you have that lag of interest rates catching up which is what happened in the states mm-hmm. um inflation on that side i think it, it really starts to take off in about june of 2021 right but you didn't have the fed moving until march of 2022 so between that time Team transitory right Richard? right <laughs> right so within that time what you had is a situation where inflation is going up rates are not really matching that right so real returns are coming down right and where you look for that real return relative to fixed income securities are equities so equities became a lot more attractive in that period of time which just at least partially explains you know a lot of the, the escalation of the price to earnings ratio that you would have seen during that time you know and, and of course that's reversing now as we we get to an era where the, the fed is a lot more serious about their interest rate policy and you know really ramping up on on that side relative to inflation okay yeah. so in inflation is what necessitated the move in interest rates correct right um by the way richard in in defense of team transitory um i i you know they, they had, the, the the fed missed the inflation target for 10 years so i, I don't know if i i just thinking if i was on the board in june 2021 I'd have probably let it run as well. Mm. In, in terms of, you know, when you f- see the whites of the eyes of inflation, the first signs of inflation, you kind of let it go because you've been falling short for a decade. I, I don't know what you think. Reasonable? I mean, um, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't want much of team transitory too much, you know, in retrospect. <laughs> um, but but there, were, there were some very credible, credible voices who who were um who were um in in stark contrast mm-hmm. i would say to, to to that whose voices i believe didn't get sufficient um airtime like Lars yeah, Sauls, for example mm-hmm. you know um and it, 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 it turned out to be Right. right, I don't know. I think Larry gets a lot of your time. Uh, whether they listen to him or not is another yeah. story. <laughs> but yeah, what I just also want just 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 one final point, and it's just to make it very, very, very clear on why um, central banks had to to increase rates is that quite a bit of them, just like our own, are what we call inflation targeters. Yes, right. Yes. So in if you take Jamaica as as an example, um, you probably you know you hear this a lot in the the media um that boy the central bank is increasing interest rates mm-hmm. and so forth it's because they actually they're legislatively mandated mm-hmm. to do so right mm-hmm. so if they have a four to six percent target band for where inflation should be if inflation comes in on either side that is above the six percent or below the four percent um the central bank governor has to write to the minister of finance explaining Excuse why me. and so forth and they're obliged to take action to get inflation back to 4.6 percent four between four, four to six percent whether you use your policy interest rate to, to address a supply shock mm-hmm. kind of inflation is a different argument mm. altogether, right? But they are obliged to. Act. Yeah, we won't have that debate today. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but so far, so in in um in in some 
a core function of most modern central banks is price stability. Price stability. Mm. So if prices start to accelerate, then they're com- com- compelled to move. Yes. Obliged to move. And, and, and interest rates is their primary tool. Mm-hmm. Right? So thinking about last year and the lead up to last year, is it fair to say that we had a pandemic, we had historic monetary and fiscal stimulus, right? Um, the, the, the U.S. Central Bank cut rates to zero. Uh, the U.S. government sent checks to almost every adult in the in, 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 in country. So historic stimulation of the economy. Mm-hmm. And then we had price uh, prices start to move higher. Right, in 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 the wake of that, and as the economy reopened, then we're hit with a war that supercharges inflation. Mm. That it, that's a fair sum up of yeah. of, of the lead up. Sure. Then the the central banks react aggressively, and we see a very tough year in 2022 for stock and bond market investors. So that's what happened. Mm. Right. Okay. Much. So seeing that happen and coming now to 2023 um if i'm i'm an investor jamaican stock market had been doing so well right um 2018 2019 i'm i'm, I'm feeling good mm-hmm. right uh i'm hoping maybe i can even retire by 40 <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, and then it uh, come to a, a, a rude awakening in 2022. I want to know what's 2023 looking like from you know across all asset classes. Like how, Darren, how are you framing that up, and 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 why have you come to the conclusions that you've come to? looking at 2023 um, and looking at investor options all right so so pre-covid we were in an environment where you could be a bit less discriminatory and kind of get away with it right mm-hmm. you buy the market things go in your your direction and you can kind of sleep at night mm-hmm. going forward from here um it's going to be a lot more important to be more discerning and, and a bit more selective on where you um, deploy capital not just you know across broad asset classes but within those asset classes okay looking at what sectors that you allocate to right so in looking at the fixed income space right we face a few um broad overarching themes right so um we're still leaning towards the the upside with the fed and, and their interest rate policy right what that means um, for the bond side is that you know you you don't necessarily want to have too much of that um, corporate duration exposure because again that's more sensitive to corporate duration exposure just long dated bonds yeah okay because of the sensitivity to to um, increases in interest so so how what what kind of time span should I stay within three years, within two years in terms of the bonds, the bond so maturities? So lower duration, um, you're looking at below four years. Below four years. Okay. All right. Continue. Right. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, on, on the treasury side, mm-hmm. um, relative to the corporate side, you're you're a bit safer there um, if you're looking at longer duration. 
when you said treasuries you're talking about u.s, US treasuries okay okay right um because again on the corporate side you have you know someone that added risk um from the corporate side so if 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 we if a recession does materialize mm-hmm. um in the coming year or in 2024 mm-hmm. um those corporates relative to u.s treasuries are you know going to underperform so you expect right? spreads to widen in a, in a recession corporate corporates over treasuries is that what you're saying so in a recession yes okay spreads will widen and looking at where spreads are now they're not historically wide mm-hmm. right so on the ig side you're looking at around 120 130 basis point spread um on the ig side which is on the lower end mm-hmm. right so you're, you're you're not you're not within a within the realm of what would be considered cheap right um if you want so you feel like investment grade bonds are fully valued right now or fairly valued is that what you're saying pretty roughly valued okay which is why you can't just allocate broadly mm. to investment grade bonds and you know set it and forget it right you have to look within the space and see where the pockets of opportunity are now if we get broadly to you know above 200 basis points that's where in general it starts to look a bit more attractive it tends not to stay above that level for too long um, unless there's you know some form of credit event mm. say 2008 2009 where you're looking at over 600 basis points mm. but that's a specific case right so again um within this environment if you're looking into um investment grade corporate bonds um you want to skew shorter term right um be mindful of the industries that you're allocating to and i would have touched on some of them mm-hmm. um earlier um within the environment that we face so well i mean just reiterate it, what kind of industries do you like yeah so um again those um non-cyclicals the consumer staples um healthcare um energy because of what's been happening in that industry mm-hmm. um prices the price environment is a bit more favorable um those companies they've they've used the increase in profitability to really shore up their balance sheets mm-hmm. um from a le- leverage standpoint so they're not really investing in new capacity in in, in a heavy way mm-hmm. right um the regulatory environment in that space is also still pretty um adversarial if you want mm-hmm. to put it that way to, to energy companies so so longer term you're not really looking at any major um above trend increase in production capital um capacity particularly in oil and gas space right which bodes well for the future of the price environment right which again will filter back into the cash flow um of these companies which at this point are are setting themselves up for a more favorable leverage and solvency position right so that kind of underscores the favorability of that space and um why you know we see some opportunities there okay so i mean and i guess we will we'll get into scenarios before because you know if for argument's sake there's a counter offensive that materially reduces russia's production capacity then you might because you mentioned you know capex is not very big in energy space but if we 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 face acute supply shortages that might run for some time that might change right so i guess i guess we can look at um different um uh scenarios but 
you know thanks for that because we, we have to have some kind of base case but darren mentioned recession right now from what i remember coming into the new year q4 december it seemed like everybody was calling for a recession right hmm. uh the, the bloomberg model had a hundred percent probability of recession which which i personally thought was extraordinary right um but richard what what happened i mean ja- january at least you know the, the price action was very positive labor numbers were strong inflation seemed to be moderating right the the, the u.s consumer looks strong and all of a sudden the narrative now what i keep hearing is soft landing so so talk to me about you know what happened in a month uh did christmas come in january what 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 exactly went down yeah um i mean the 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 thing about the thing about um the the economy uh is 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 that we are not just looking at at um brick and mortar Mm. to speak right every economic decision there is a like there's a human being behind you no matter whether you know you you want to deploy however many um machines and systematic strategies and so mm-hmm. forth um there's a decision to be made and george soros has an interesting um theory about the, ref- the reflexivity, reflexivity of the economy. in other words and it's not as highfalutin as it might might sound because even jay powell in one of his pressers last year made it as a very important point to say that what is different this time around in terms of how they're pursuing monetary policy and how it has been absorbed in the mm-hmm. economy is that um the economic agents are actually absorbing the information much quicker that's one yeah and two and acting according mm-hmm. so it's almost a self kind of fulfilling um thing that's it's that's happening so if you think about it practically if everybody is saying recession 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 think about yourself um and and me mm-hmm. i can't give you you know always begin with the first person um single i'm saying boy i don't know what this year is going to be like so um i start save up mm-hmm. you know certain things i become more judicious in my choices yes. so okay um do i really need this in mm-hmm. terms of my spend um, and, and so forth so what it means is that it is not surprising actually that um the economy has evolved in the way that it has because what you will find is that um persons who are underwriting loans in, fin- in the financial sector for example would have become more stringent in terms of their credit standards mm-hmm. and you see that coming out for instance in the in the US they do a survey of their senior loan officers they will tell you that given these concerns they are becoming more judicious so some of the excesses start to move out of the economy and therefore by virtue of telegraphing this recession recession mm-hmm. recession you know it's like the heaven is falling sky is falling mm-hmm. kind of thing it never does come right um so it will breed some kind of stability but there's a danger there um again another interesting economist Hyman Minsky he has this quip to say that stability breeds instability mm-hmm. so it is not that the recessionary conditions um have gone away forever they have really just been um 
a, a sword deferred right but um, how long does stability you you, you can one second one second on that how long does stability have to be stable to breed instability well i mean if 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 you knew the answer to that um Rob, <laughs> no recession would actually <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it comes it comes entirely out of um out of left field yeah right and we came very close to having one of those events if you remember um the liability driven um sorry, which which that is some of the pension funds that almost blew up um, in the uk, UK. right mm-hmm. so if their central bank was not in a position to to jump in mm-hmm. and essentially pursued a massive qe mm-hmm. then i'm sure the conversation we're having now um would be very very different right um it would have been yeah. right yeah. because it we're talking about a serious market and we don't know the degree of the exposure that those pension funds have to um asset managers all over all over the world but the point a core function of central banks is lend the last resort right so i mean they did what they're supposed to do no they did what they're supposed to do um but what i'm the point that i'm making is that nobody saw saw that coming, that coming. is a black swan type precisely gotcha, gotcha, right gotcha. and that's typically which, how recessions which by the way is about. why i was skeptical about the recession cause in in q4 because i'm saying this would have to have been the most predictable recession and most predicted in modern history but that's the point that we're making it mm-hmm. is it is so well telegraphed mm, that's, that it that's doesn't happen the, 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 the behaviors changes changes i guess right um and so it has it has it has um d- d- deferred mm-hmm. somewhat right which is not to say that um say in 2024 because this is where um quite a bit of the expectations um is right now mm. for the slowdown to kind of start really manifesting itself because we have to take into consideration the the deep inversion of the yield curve mm-hmm. now even though mm-hmm. um it's very dangerous to say this time is different yes. but um there is on the one hand mm-hmm. the argument that the deep inversion we're seeing now is because there is a scarcity of high quality liquid assets mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. right and therefore you are seeing significant demand particularly long end of the yield curve for these for these assets and there are a number of reasons why that is the case mm-hmm. so even the original founder quote unquote of the yield curve recession um link um is professor, it is it batting 100 percent by the way um Almost, okay, because okay. the three-year, three, the three months, ten-year has done six out of seven, which is okay. okay it's pretty in, high in in our area. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, Legendary, much, much, right? much better than than economists. Yes. Who have, who have, what, <laughs> With their two it? hands. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, right. So, 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 so the point is, um, that is still that is still in play right and i i don't think and this is the important point i want to get across right this is not necessarily because it didn't come mm-hmm. when we expected it um then you should become um complacent, complacent. Right, right in terms of I, so you allocate i definitely want to get to your base case but i see i see darren dying to come in you, you had a point to me no um really just to, to come in with a supporting point so again what we have to recall is that um throughout the pandemic again we have to remember all that stimulus that came into the economy mm-hmm. right so what you saw over that time is that um household savings 
went up almost vertically, right? And there were two main spikes that in 2020 and I think 2021 as well. Sorry, right? on that point. Yeah. Household savings and it's unreal. Yeah. The the la- the chart last chart from memory June 2022 normalized figure was like 800 billion and as at June 22 it was something like close to 5 trillion dollars right in terms of cash slashing around in US households um, the point is and whatever the numbers are mm. the point is it's not the move up was, was almost it, vertical yeah and it yeah. was but it's not just vertical it was it was like significant it was factors higher than anything that's normal correct right so so suffice to say US households are quite well endowed eh? yeah and, financial worries. and of course that's going to feed into consumer spending which is a big portion of the US economy mm. in particular so um, and and we're still having some lingering effects of that the, the savings rate is coming down now so um, I don't suspect that this is going to you know be pushing into 2024 and sustaining it in that way right mm. but that that kind of you know lends towards some of that explanation on um, the sustainability of the the high growth that we've been seeing recently particularly in the the US right because again stronger than expected consumer um, there was you know also some fairly good um, outcomes on the investment side um, on the net export side as well particularly in the last re- oh you mean real fixed investment when you say investment yeah real 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 investment okay, okay yeah okay so yeah as well as the the net um export outcome particularly okay. in the last last resort that that also you know acted to to support gdp um in the u.s which again you know is, is expected to come down um at the global level you know based on the, the last um IMF World Economic Outlook. We we're looking at roughly two point nine um, next year relative to I think three point four. I'm expected for twenty twenty two. That's global GDP. Global. Okay. Right. So so we're we're seeing things come down as the impact of um, the tight monetary conditions and the conflict in in Russia and the Ukraine, as well as the potential risk with China um, as they you know work through their issues with COVID and balance that with the thrust towards reopening. Um, going into the rest of 2023 and 2024. All right. So all that being said, James, what's your base case expectation for the first half of 2023 from an economic point of view? So you, the recession is pushed off, but you're saying let's not be complacent. Um, inflation remains elevated. Interest rates have been increased. So on those big macro variables and, and the macro economy, what is your base case expectation? Good. You know what I mean? The the um, I would say we are pretty much aligned with the um, the most recent world economic outlook from 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 the IMF, mm-hmm. um, which says because if you notice, you know, Darren just said it was two point two point nine two point nine yeah. for twenty three twenty twenty three, mm-hmm. um, which is actually uh, a revision upwards Correct, from. Yes from their October 2022 report. So they have become a little bit more sanguine about how they see things in 2023. And there are two primary drivers there. One is that um, China is is being quite aggressive in terms of its stimulation of or stimulating uh, local demand. As you know, China is a large market for world's Everything. exports mm-hmm. yeah. um, that's one and two um we were expecting a fairly harsh winter in europe mm-hmm. um which would have 
kind of exacerbated their energy their energy crisis mm. that did not materialize the opposite happened right <laughs> yeah mm. pretty much yeah. um so on those on those two primary fronts um the imf anticipates that that will give a little bit more philip to um world economic growth in um in 2023 but we, we have to caveat this clearly mm. that um we 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 can't see much farther than half year half year yeah and things can change so very quickly okay so so the 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 outlook the base case has been increased um 2.9 is below trend or trend what you know they're about, you know, they're, about, about trend, trend growth, growth. okay so below trend. so the base case is uh, maybe i touched below trend growth um the base case has been revised upwards on the back of a chinese reopening and a european um mild winter but so richard the the u.s consumer to me is kind of like the elephant in the room right so what what is our view on the u.s consumer especially in a context of the fact that the u.s labor market the job market in u.s is clearly very strong right um we saw things like social security uh payments were increased almost nine percent like 8.7 percent this year right that's 70 million american consumers essentially getting a raise right and retail sales have come through very very strong so given the january data right uh, i don't know if you want i don't know if one month does not a trend make but given the January data, is there any upward revision in what we're expecting from the U.S. Consum- consumer and therefore the U.S. economy? Um, the, the, well, let's say yes. Let's agree that um, on the face of it, the U.S. Um, consumer balance sheet is fairly healthy, right? Um, certainly as compared to what obtained um, just before the last global financial recession mm. um, in, in 2007. Um, so that's one. But we have to be a bit more nuanced in terms of what the headline figure actually represents and how that number is distributed across, um, I suppose, social groups, right? So we're talking about pieces of equality or inequality here. And... Um, it is an important consideration because in the last um, in the last FOMC set of of, of, of documents, um, a couple of the Fed governors um, made the observation that even though household balances appear elevated, they are concentrated pretty much among more wealthy households households right sorry when, when you say farm c you're talking about the rate setting committee at the yeah man reserve. of the federal okay. reserve mm-hmm. right federal open market committee mm-hmm. right um so that is not an that is not a an inconsequential observation the inequality of the that, resource right, this re- right. distribution because if you have practically if you have if you say the household consumer household balance sheet is a hundred dollars just mm-hmm. for argument see and they are a hundred consumers mm-hmm. and if 20 percent account for 80 percent of that 100 mm-hmm. then um clearly any kind of slowdown that that comes um will have a disproportionate impact 
mm-hmm. on the 80 mm-hmm. right and one way that we can kind of test that is just to see how consumers are actually funding mm-hmm. the 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 uh, the retail sales report that we saw yesterday which was um which it's close to a two-year high right right mm-hmm. um we're seeing credit card mm-hmm balance is skyrocketing mm. even though household savings are coming are, are coming mm. are coming down so that to me when you sparse it again tells me that you need to be um a bit careful mm. in what you infer about the strength of the the um of the u.s consumer the u.s um, or, 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 or the balance sheet so you're saying u.s consumer and My layoffs are actually starting, le- right? Le- layoffs, right? Yes. Really, particularly in the tech sector, right? <laughs> um, no, no, it, it is, it is, it is an important, important consideration, right? Because if if you if you are expecting um, earnings to to go down mm-hmm. in terms across of across the wages. economy. Mm. right mm. um one of the first things you're going to start doing is um cutting your existing job openings mm-hmm. once you you do that then the next leg to go is actual jobs job cuts. um job 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 cuts i am not sure how far we are away from that but all right so saying. so let's debate that a little bit right so the we saw the tech layoffs so facebook amazon some of the biggest layoffs in their history but there's one narrative that's emerging that these are highly skilled workers that will find it easy to get jobs in what is a very vibrant job market. And as a matter of fact, it's good for the rebalancing of the economy because, you know, tech had come to dominate um, the economy. I, I mean, I think I, saw, I heard one thing where it was like... the. the the hiring post pandemic was like a factor of three and then for one company and then they were cutting 20% or 13% of their workforce or whatever it was. So the point is they were still quite, quite tight. So I'll submit the following points, Chad. We see tech layoffs, right? But those are highly skilled workers, highly paid workers that there's high demand for in other sectors of the economy. And as a matter of fact, when you redistribute those tech workers, you will tend to increase productivity of other sectors, right? That's point one. And then point two, the broader macro data is saying, I have a central bank chair saying to me that there, there are 5 million more jobs than there are people to fill them. I have unemployment at a multi-decade low. And I have a January jobs report at 516,000 jobs. So, on balance, those are those are would seem to be diametrically opposed sets of data. So are are you saying that the, the tech situation is a harbinger of a change in direction, or are we going with the macro data that would leave us more optimistic? So I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a an immediate harbinger of um, negative things to come in an immediate sense. Mm-hmm. What I will say though is that when you look at the some of the coincident data points um, across production, um, income, employment, um, spending, we're not quite in 
we're not quite at recessionary um, levels just yet. Um, in some of these points, we are above trend. Um, some slightly below trend. What's below trend? Below, said the the five year or so average. Okay. Right. No. That's fine, but when you look at um, some of the leading indicators, when you look at the, for example, the the ISM manufacturing and services PMIs, they're both pointing towards weakness ahead. When you look at the the conference board leading economic in, um, index, that's also pointing towards weakness ahead. So while you do have that unemployment, um, you know, brushing the lows, um, it's. Again, you have to remember that unemployment is a, a lagging in. Yes, it is. Right, so it's it's yeah. kind of among one of the last things to really um, give you that confirmation per se that you know things are are getting bad mm-hmm. or have been bad at that point, right? So, so the the tech layoffs that we're seeing are certainly a sign, and I don't know if if it's really the case that you know we can lean on the the elevated job openings in that way particularly from a tech standpoint i think it's it's more so um concentrated in other areas of the economy um that excess of um so you don't think the tech workers are in high demand they are in high demand right um but but those openings that we're seeing it's i mean yes tech is a part of it but it's it's not really where the 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 main force is it's it's more so you're looking at healthcare you're looking at um, retail trade. You're looking at um, a lot of, you know, some of these service areas that would have seen particularly um, a particularly bad hit during the the pandemic. Because I mean, if you're working as a waiter during the pandemic, you know, you lose your job or you get furloughed or something, you're probably going to find something else to do mm-hmm. in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that when things open back up, you're going to go back to being a waiter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there is that structural dislocation and as well um, based on what's happening from a health standpoint there there is more demand for for healthcare workers in that way so I again you know these are some of the areas that are really seeing the the job openings um pile up right okay so so yes it, it, it you know it may point to or be a sign of some emerging downside on the um, employment side but I mean I wouldn't use the snapshot shot of where we are now to say that you know things are going to stay that way on the labor and employment side and by extension the consumer spending side okay i mean i, I just, just 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 a point here um mm-hmm. for, um because in, in your opening right mm-hmm. so well the, the point of our conversation really is to to say okay to our listeners but you can really make money yeah yeah so what is the actionable thing out of out of what you've just said and um, there's a parallel between what you have just outlined and the same kind of what you call adductive reasoning that your your doctor goes through when you when you visit. Mm-hmm. Say, so when you go to a, your your doctor, right? They ask you a number of questions. Um, you're feeling a pain in your belly. You're mm-hmm. feeling a number of this and blah blah blah, right? And based on the number of symptoms that, that are present, then they look for one kind of explanatory factor. What might explain all of these symptoms yeah. that I'm seeing? So to relate that to what might that one explanatory factor be? Um, our inference that we can draw from all of what you have said here. And that inference is that 
things are a bit stronger and better than they ought to be mm-hmm. from the perspective of the central bank. Okay. If the central bank perceives that the labor market is stronger than it really should be and therefore um, the inflationary pol- impulse is going to be much more um, elevated mm-hmm. than it really ought to be, then the logical inference here is that interest rates are going to be higher for longer. That is what we really can abstract for our listeners. If that is the case, then what are the implications? So it goes back to our opening discussion mm-hmm. about the relationship between interest rates and your expected returns. So going forward, we're going to see quite a bit of, 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 of volatility. So it, it really isn't from an investment perspective, yes. Uh, from an investment perspective, it really doesn't matter, quote-unquote, whether persons who are laid off from tech find employment in hospitality and etc. From a, what really matters is what the, what the policymaker will do, which is the central bank, and how asset markets are going to, to play that possibility exists i've just given that the possibility exists that and they have already signaled it anyways that rates are going to be higher Mm -hmm. um, for longer Mm -hmm. the question is how do you play that um, in your investment um, portfolio and some of the ways in which we have we have been trying to do so um, is as darren indicated you have to look at reducing your duration exposure that's one play that you can you can do in the fixed income space right short duration investment grade so that's one two um and this is where you know persons like our fixed income portfolio managers here at at barita um will um this is what they do they you can get in you can get into more sophisticated strategies to say okay as the passage of time goes as we go further into 2023 and the inflation fears give way to more recessionary fears right then you expect the yield curve to kind of start steepening right it may or may not happen so what you do you hedge your bets so you take some exposure at the long end of the curve some exposure at the short end which means that you're betting on the spread between those two yields right the yields at the long end Mm -hmm. the yields at the short end right that those are typical and well-established strategies that you can use in the fixed income space at this um, stage of the cycle so a way that you can probably um, play that is to look at our fixed income unit trust um, here because those are some strategies that we we can we can explore the third factor that we can think about just to play this um, environment is that 2020 was very interesting from up if if you are if you are if you are if you're interested in investments beyond just making money but you actually like what is actually driving it mm-hmm. um, we saw a reversal in the typical correlations between equities and, and, and bonds, right? Um, in terms of their correlations. Typically, you would have um, equities going in one way, bonds going the other way, so they're negatively correlated, right? What we're seeing now is uh, basically a new 
regime, if you can call it that, of positive um, correlations going in the same direction, which is a, a, um, a nice way of seeing investors have nowhere <laughs> to run for cover. So we have to imagine and innovate and think about alternative ways in which we can um, we can find positive returns given that regime. So factor investing in a fixed income space is, is one such. So what you can basically do now is to look at um, credits, could be credits that are in a specific economic sector on which you have a strong conviction and you allocate in that sector right and you can do that through a number of ways it could be a fixed income um, etf that takes exposure to um to to energy companies or energy credits that are at a particular stage in the um, energy complex could be an energy company that does both ep um that does distribution whatever the case is the point that i'm making is that there are these three strategies that we can we can um, explore at this stage of the cycle um, if we expect um, central banks to continue maintaining a fairly restrictive uh, monetary policy. So that would be um, our response to that question of what the macro variables are seeing and how that actually impacts on the decision that you can take for your portfolio. Okay. All right. So. Um, I'm going to switch gears a bit and probably propose something else. So, I mean, we spend a lot of time on macroeconomy because of the importance of inflation and interest rates and everything that we spoke about, right? I'm going to spend a bit of time on the U.S. because of the old adage, you know, America catches a cold, Jamaica gets a flu, right? Um, they're the largest trading partner, they're the dominant economy in the world, and we have proximity to them, right? So, if, I, if, if we come down now and look at the jamaican setup right um so we spend the time on the u.s and i mean at the very least u.s is stable right from a econ- economic point of view um maybe moving forward uh, um if we i mean there's a whole debate about the interest rate policy because given where inflation is and where interest rates are are we really restrictive i don't know but maybe we'll have that 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 discussion um later on or another time but when we look at jamaica right we saw where you know the same story 2020 significant pandemic economic um contraction right somewhere in the order of 11 percent plus as the economy reopened right uh I think the IMF's numbers were north of eight percent for for 21, 22, and then they're expecting three point five to four for twenty two to twenty three fiscal fiscal year, right? Which brings us back pretty close to where we were pre pandemic. Now, from an investment point of view, uh, with that with that hole that the pandemic was had created, the main market, uh, if we're talking about stocks, Jamaican stock market has struggled. Now, the the junior market did better, right? As as the economy reopened, but if I, if I look now, um, you know, trying to kind of diagnose that duality, right? Um, if we look at why 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 the larger um, larger cap stocks 
have struggled um i, I mean if you presume that the hole that the pandemic created was a drag on those right junior market smaller stocks like more nimble and could capture the uptick on the on, on the reopening but from a macroeconomic point of view jamaica has proven i, I think significant resilience having come through how we've come through with the pandemic and if we look at the big numbers you your debt to gdp um numbers you look at the reserves etc etc you feel like okay we 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 um we have debt to gdp that we expect to be below 80 percent um we have ample reserves we feel like we, we we have proven macroeconomic um management credentials if we look at how the pandemic was navigated there seems to be pockets of value in the main market um is that is that somewhere you know within our outlook that we'd want to look and and diagnose for me a bit why why the market was pressured i know financials have a high weighting there and we saw what happened in terms of higher interest rates and financial markets um creating fair value losses was that a a, a driving force into what has been like a weight on on the main market and how do you see that evolving going forward yeah so when you look at the main market and and as you said rightfully so the the financials are um very overweight um as far as their allocation um within that index so the main index would have been down around 10 percent last year mm-hmm. right um but when you look within the index right the average decline of any given stock in in the main index was about call it two percent mm-hmm. right but that really points towards the the impact of you know some of these mega cap um financial stocks ncb in particular would have been one of them down up more than 30 percent right so it's it's really a function of the the skew of the performance of of some of those larger um exposures within the market right um and again it goes back to a point i made earlier about looking within the the market at that the various sectors that are likely to perform better in this environment and and looking at the financial um sector what you're gonna find is that they're they're likely to be pressed on the net interest margin which is one of the major um income line items of the financial stocks right is so, that because of higher interest rates because of higher interest rates so so what you're gonna find is that on the interest expense side you have um shorter term financing moving up higher than the income from the interest earning assets which are on average going to be longer term and reset at a slower clip right so your income is a bit more fixed in, in its interest rate, but your um, short-term expenses are um, repricing at a higher clip faster. So that's going to compress your net interest margin. Um, coupled with that, what you're going to have is, again, some pressure on the gains onto marketable securities and um, based on what's happening within the market, right? So you're going to be pressed there um, given the volatility in the market and again the tight monetary conditions um so there's going to be less opportunity to um, to take gains from securities right um on the capital market side it's it's going to be i mean it's going to be a mixed bag but there will generally be some there's likely to be some challenges there 
right? Um, so, so for the financials broadly, it's you're looking at a bit more challenging environment than, say, for example, the manufacturers, or in particular, those that um, offer say staple products, right? So, for example, in, in to throw a name on there, if you look at a, a Wisinko, you know they they're more likely to have a easier go of the current environment just by virtue of the products that they offer um, and the impact that the broader economic climate is likely to have on their business, right? They offer staple products. You things are bad, you're going by water. Things are good, you're going by water. And again, some of the other products that they offer as well, you know, that they distribute. Yeah. Um, secondly, where you want to look from an opportunity standpoint are, are companies that have some exposure overseas, whether it be through growth in exports or if they have um, an operation overseas. So, for example, you look at um, JBG, uh, uh, you know, big um, contributor to their growth in recent years has been their U.S. operation. That's Jamaica Brothers. Jamaica Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um so again that that exp- extends their growth potential beyond jamaica because jamaica is only so big right yeah. and you can only sell so much mm-hmm. um chicken in jamaica so mm-hmm. um that you know and again with what they're doing um with the discontinuation of their um haitian operation it, it frees up their operation to focus on more profitable areas of their business and when that discontinued operation impact passes Right, you're you're likely to see that um, filter through to higher net income in a major way. Right, um, we look at Wisinko um, exports. Well, not this quarter, but over time they've you know had some quarters with triple digit export growth, and it's it's a high potential area for their business. Even though exports is still small as a percentage of their revenue in the current um, um, in the most recent quarter. Added to that. Um, there um they have some pretty ambitious um capital expenditure plans that will position them for um increased um production capacity going forward which is among the the, the most significant um investments that they've made recently so again they're positioning themselves for growth you've got companies like Massey also positioning themselves for growth focusing on their core areas where they have um competitive advantage um very active in the MA space. GK as well, also very active in the MA space. So again, you know, companies like that, they they still within this environment, they do have um, those opportunities to grow. Right? Um if you look at the last G, um, GDP numbers for Jamaica, um manufacturing was um year over year nine percent plus. So we're still seeing some strength there um within the local space. And again the headline figure is also strong at um, more than five percent as well, right? So that's, that's still a um, pretty strong area to to look at locally. So you think there? So there are definitely opportunities in the main market. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks for that, man. Richardo. In terms of what's the baseline expectation for twenty twenty three for both Jamaican GDP and inflation. Well, I mean, um, if we go by the IMF's recent Article 4, um, we we expect um, growth of about, what, 3%? Um, That's pretty high for Jamaica, year. right? 
um, but I think the, some BS effects are still still um, in there probably mm-hmm. there. Um, that's from a growth perspective and terms of inflation the expectation is that um, we should end um, financial year 2023-24 at about 6% so in Six other words it should come back, back to, to target the, the, the BOJ's 46% um, range the reason um, I ask is because I mean we had the whole conversation about inflation and interest rates and then Darren you mentioned uh, financials are kind of a special case when it comes to main market right so the question is if we if we have continued above trend growth and at the same time inflation stabilizes uh, or comes back to target does that bode well for the financials um in terms of the main market opportunity set um what what i would what i would say um Raul, and just really just to to backtrack to your first question um a bit it's, it's very important that um, our listeners appreciate what moving from a debt to GDP ratio of 145% right. to about 70 something. 79. Right? Yeah. That's, that's, it's, it's very critical yes. to understand what that means. Um, because what it means is that when you have such a high debt to GDP ratio, um, ultimately what it means is that the government is, is through its borrowing activities, crowding out private investments right and therefore your capital markets will not grow um but when you have uh 70 something debt gdp still still fairly high but for us that's a monumental um accomplishment i remember we 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 spoke about this in summer of 2021 yes we we, we have some bragging rights (laughs) (laughs) about just the the this is the this is the fruits of of the institutionalization of economic governance yes and that always is a tailwind for the performance of risk assets right so to answer your question specifically now given that background mm-hmm. and remember this is a forecast by the way yeah so it's so subject have to, to yeah. based on a run rate if everything continues as it is now that is where we will land right um it therefore means that um you're right it might mean that you see a reversal of the spread compression that we have been seeing to the extent that the central bank backtracks on its restrictive or high you know high interest rate mm-hmm. regime so that's um a positive for for financials but we also have to keep in mind that increasingly um we have seen certainly in the securities dealer space um, fees and commission income um, accounting for a significant percentage of your net operating um, revenues um, over the last five years or so um, because of you know um, large and small corporates tapping the debt capital markets for instance and raising funds through all sorts of um, means the expectation is that with that stable macroeconomic backdrop that could actually um research so you're seeing two particular land items there that could possibly be poised for um for further growth going forward your name and, and sorry, your, there's also a feedback loop in that because as you have more capital markets um activity and um there's a higher pool of assets the 
um, asset management space. You know, the it, yeah, man. So right. So so, so pr- pretty much. So so that is so it, it the com- point. Yeah. Once you have a stable macro backdrop, mm-hmm. it 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 opens a panoply of 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 opportunities. That is essentially the the, the idea. And so the final point that um, I probably want to impress upon our um, our listeners is that um, yes. You know, there are some things that are circulating in in, in, in the in the space just now that might cause people to be skittish mm-hmm. um, in terms of putting their capital um, to work. That's one. Two, we haven't necessarily seen the confidence really return to the market um, that was there from 2019. Mm-hmm. Right? We really haven't seen it, mm-hmm. particularly among institute the institutional investors and so forth. Right. So what we're seeing is that um, given what we think are some fairly attractive valuations um, still on the main market, and there might be a few on the junior market as well, and a stable macroeconomic backdrop, now is the time to, for you to be, you know, to, to, to be building up positions in these, in these assets. We're thinking and speaking directly to investors now, right? Yes. You know, somebody who is in to speculate and try to, to we we can't know what yeah. what you know, but somebody who intends on building um, a portfolio to really generate wealth, now is the time to accumulate some of those some of those assets. I mean, um, when we think about some some of some really good blue chip companies trading in low single pe we haven't seen this in a very long time as a matter of fact just before we we saw these only um in and around the time we were embarking on the first um imf um standby standby agreement Mm. right and at that point we were teetering on a fiscal cliff right Remember, there were anecdotes, you know, about when our politicians went into to, to, to Washington. They were, it's almost as if they had to go there on their knees because we were pariahs um, in, the, in the international financial community. And if the article we saw last week is anything to go by, now it's like we are now like we're going back into Damascus. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, we're being heralded in, yes. right? Um, so I, I think there is there is ample evidence for us to be cautiously optimistic about Jamaica's um, near-term and even long-term future. And we need to begin to put our capital um, at work because they are very good assets, attractively priced, um, and we need to be building positions in those. So you're bullish on Jamaica? I mean, I've said, I think I'm on record as as saying that, you know, um, Raul, because I am I, I am big on institutions mm. right and we have made tremendous inroads in building the, the 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 institutional foundations that will keep economic governance anchored right um so we're talking about the the, the whole introduction of fiscal rules for example so there can't be no ministerial discretion um again as that's a thing of the past mm. we have a central bank that is um that is independent, mm-hmm. right? I know people will have different views about perhaps their current posture and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it is very interesting that um, 
a central bank can stick to its position um, without any fear of political meddling, that kind of thing. That's a hallmark of a strong democracy. And that's critical for capital markets to grow and evolve. Right? So those are things that you keep in mind if your mindset is about building durable um, wealth. You need to have those things in place to ensure, you know, because it will give you the full knowledge that um, your, your wealth is secured in a strong institutional foundation. That's where we're at. All right. So, so if we sketch out a, a base case or, you know, that scenario, at, you know, I'll just fire off some things and just find out what you think about them, right? So I, I hear you saying that Jamaica is, and, and, and the main market in particular offers some selective value opportunities, right? Correct. That we should definitely look at. Um, institutional strengthening means that we have a good framework a solid market mm-hmm. setting mm-hmm. there's some some anecdotes to pile on top of that so when i when i hear talk of significant say public sector wage um payments that to my thinking that's economic growth positive mm-hmm. um um so you know, I'd, I'd be interested to hear. So when you talk about the the compression of debt to GDP, to the extent that that enables the government to spend less on servicing the country's debt mm-hmm. and then spend more on building its infrastructure, these things are economic growth positive. So these these they add to the the case that you know Jamaica might be interesting at this time, and then of course if we look more regionally Guyana seems to be mm-hmm. you know quite of, of, of global interest right and they were I think the fastest growing economy um, in the world last year um, the, so when when we frame that up just close out for me you already spoke about the main market spoke about fixed income strategy um, you know Berita is big on on um, and, and by the way Berita capital growth is a uh, interesting way to play the main market. Yeah, man, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and Barita is big on its alternative investment yeah, platform. Man. So just talk to me a bit about everything that we've said thus far. You know, how does that play into the alternative uh, investment platform and what are you expecting? So, right. So we have articulated um, in various quarterly um, reports and our annual reports, I think, what we mean by alternatives mm-hmm. you know, alternatives it, it, it can it's be broad it's very broad wielded, yeah. all right yeah. um and so uh, i think the, the the most demonstrable aspect of our alternative investment strategy as far as what we have been doing in the real estate um space so we have significant greenfield um and some brownfield um, assets that we are going to um develop a, you know, along different thematic um, lanes, mm-hmm. right? And again, it is inescapable um, for us. It is it is inescapable. We have to go back to that stable macro backdrop mm-hmm. because when you are pursuing real estate, 
the way you account for that in macroeconomic accounting is you call it your gross capital formation. It's quite literally you're putting things down in the earth, mm-hmm. right? And when we track our gross cap- capital formation, if you just just graph it mm-hmm. from the 1960s, and you would see that it had a precipitous fall in the turbulent 70s, coming mm-hmm. you know for known reasons, yes. you know people are pulling out capital and so forth. Um, and 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 consequently the nature of the investments that we have been seeing um up to recently has been more capital markets type paper investments yes. so to speak because yeah. you can easily sell that and leave mm-hmm. if you, right you know but really if you're committing you're right commit, exactly yeah. that is the point and you don't commit yeah. unless you know that well the institutional environment is 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 strong so really that anchors that is a critical um i'm gonna critical consideration consideration um that is driving our our alternatives thrust um in in in, in real estate and obviously um private equity is a big part um and I'm, i mean you know we can i think we can probably acknowledge that that is something that is right across the 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 industry now everybody is doing some version of private mm-hmm. equity, which which i think is is very good mm-hmm. right because i think the, the pie is expanding mm-hmm. um and there there's enough for 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 everybody so that's another critical element of our of our alternatives um thrust um but the final thing that i would say however um which is which is a limiting factor is that the clearly the the other leg that we have to work on from a macroeconomic perspective is our productivity yes so so absent productivity um much of the gains that we're making now uh, might not amount to as much as it could have been if we solve for um for that for, for that productivity so at you know I, I want to kind of crescendo on 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 that point Richardo there's been a lot of hard work done in Jamaica right you taking debt down from 147% if the projections are to be believed you're going to be 79.7 sub 80% that's 67 yeah man percentage points of gdp massive right at no one in the financial times referred to it as Jamaican economic miracle, right? Um, <laughs> they, they, you know. So, so the thing is though, because you you made an important point in terms of productivity. Um, we saw years of austerity. We saw a hard-fought debt reduction. We saw public sector wage freezes, mm. right? We saw a lot of hard work. So the question is, you know. And we had a pandemic that kind of distorts things in the middle there. But the question is, are, are we coming into the promised land, Richard? Like with with all of this work, my and, and this is this is my genuine question. We've had a growth problem, right? Mm-hmm. We've had a growth problem for a generation. We see eight percent and we see three and a half percent, but you know there's a pandemic recovery, so you wonder about the distortion. Two part question: one. All this work that we've done f- with the macro that you you lauded and you spoke to, ha- have we increased potential growth in w- with doing that work? And 
I mean, it seems like the plan for to raise productivity is long-term education, investment, and so forth, right? And 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 um and and hard infrastructure investment. So, have we increased potential growth already? And are we on a path to continue to increase potential growth? So as an investor looking on in Jamaica, can I expect a better growth outturn than I've been used to for the past generation? I mean, I would I would say yes. Um, say cautiously though. Yeah, and, and why, why I'm cautious is that obviously um, these things take time, right? Yeah. You know, William Easterly call it the elusive quest for growth so it's it's been a long time that we have been trying to to um to accomplish some semblance of growth so it will not be accomplished overnight all right so what so the same kind of policy focus that we have taken to fix in the macro we have to kind of take it to the social now because that is where i think the limiting constraints are um because there are estimates of the cost to growth from crime, for example, mm. right? So if we can fix crime, quote unquote, I think we can easily add two to three percent to our real economic growth, right? And um, the government have signaled, you know, various forms of investments that they are making. I mean that from tech to training and that kind of thing, right? So that's one. Two, um, the 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 wages or wage reformation um, they're doing in the public service, I think, is very important um, to the extent that that um, reorients the incentives of you know, say, public sector workers and a proper, you know, kind of. Um, accountability system is 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 is, is implemented um, in terms of making sure that you know targets and that kind of thing because it means that you will probably start attracting good talent there as well as you know I don't always like to 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 refer to the Singapore story but that is widely well known mm-hmm. that that is one way in which they have achieved the kind of of growth that they have by attracting the very best in their public service and compensating them um, at, at that level so I think we're at the early stages of um, trying to solve for those more um, intractable problems where that, that are limiting our economic growth okay okay so so again so you're cautiously optimistic so um, let me just try and pull it all in so so just one just yeah. one other point what basically you know uh, because we're, we're talking to to everybody yeah here so it's not just about somebody who is um who is you know buying assets on the on the various indices mm-hmm. right it could be somebody who is contemplating um to to our business to mm-hmm. you know um, a business venture um and so forth and you you're you're really wondering about what could this economy look like yeah. five or ten years or so? So, 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 so to those kind of of individuals, we're seeing that Jamaica is is not what it once was. Certainly, from an economic perspective, um, and we're making, a, I would say, the, the the right strides. Okay, so you use the Jamaica is more investable today, pretty much for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so if we we pull all of that in. Um, we 
it's fair to say we, we we think the US in the near term will remain stable. We're not expecting that economy to fall off a cliff, mm-hmm. right? So given that and given the work that has been done in Jamaica from a macro point of view to reduce debt, to increase um, res- reserves and increase institutional fiscal management, right? And we see, we didn't talk much about it, but unemployment figures look good in Jamaica. Yeah, 6%. Right? <clears throat> so given all of that, the work that has been done and the work that is ongoing, and as Richard has said, Jamaica being a more investable jurisdiction, the values, the, the single-digit PEs that we see on the main market now become compelling, right? So we we, 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 we like that uh, from a... And, and of course... You know, Barita Capital Growth is a, is an efficient way to play that, but right. also single stock investing might be worth a look with your advisor, given where we are, mm-hmm. right? Um, and 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 in terms of from a fixed income point of view, we probably want to stay uh, limited duration, right? And and you 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 probably want to avail yourself of skilled investment managers to navigate that space, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a that's to a fair add, sum up of where we are. Go ahead. To add to that, though, um, I think it's important for investors to remember that um, investing is a long-term pursuit. Yeah. So I think it's it's very common for the development of some degree of short-term fatigue in the market when you know you buy something. You're not really seeing it move in a month, two months' time, and, and you know get some type of fatigue out of it. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember that there's substance behind what you're investing in. These are businesses. These are you know there there are operating entities. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And you have to ensure that when you get into these investments, you understand why you got into them, mm-hmm. which goes back to you know that discussion that is good to have with the advisor, right? So understand why you got into them understand the long-term prospects of the business that are going to drive whatever expectations that you have um, of the business right and over time evaluate whether those factors have changed what what is happening with the key driving factors of the business right if things are getting better but you're not seeing the price move yet what that means it's more likely to be an opportunity for you to pick up more Mm -hmm. rather than to say well things not happening now let me sell some patient yeah right Mm -hmm. so and and when you look at the main market over time you really see this play out because what you will see is bouts of stagnation and then triple digit returns Mm -hmm. you know um in very short spans of time so you don't want to miss it so you don't want to miss that and you don't want to be you don't want to be fighting for those returns when when everybody else is trying to pile in as well Right, better you take a long-term approach, um, a structured approach to investing over time, rather than say, well, you know, let me try time the market, sit on some cash, and wait for when the stars align and things are right about to take off. Because when that time comes, you may not be getting the same opportunity set that you thought you you may have had. Okay. Right. All right. So, um, again, like just summing up some of the things, the if we continue to make progress in jamaica and continue to increase uh, our growth potential the u.s remains stable 
the Jamaican entities that are market leaders locally and have overseas assets, uh, particularly, you know, like US assets, you mentioned Jamaica broilers, that, that, that's an entity that you like, right? In terms of, um, destination for investment for new capital. That's fair. Yeah. Right. Uh, you mentioned with Cinco efficient, uh, operator and market leader again. So again, if we continue on a trajectory that we expect, then that would be uh, an, another entity um that we would like if markets and this is i kind of see this as a x factor if markets stabilize or we get the immaculate disinflation mm-hmm. right <laughs> that that has been banded about if if we have a situation where central banks do not have to tighten financial conditions further right where they, they can even if they they remain elevated or stay stay um stay 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 where they are and we see financial markets reprice without turbulence i'm am i hearing that the financial sector could be uh you know quite a, 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 an outperformer if things turn around in a in a, in a positive um, direction right so no so I, I do think so think some of these um larger cap financial players are um, attractive long term mm-hmm. it's just that in the short term they face Headings. some intermediate challenges yeah. right but long term um, they do represent um, fairly attractive growth platforms okay alright well so main market has value Jamaica is investable consult a skilled manager to help you through your fixed income strategy yep, fair? that's it fair alright gentlemen thank you very much thank you thank You've just listened to an episode of the Barita Podcast. The Barita Podcast is available on all Barita's social media platforms. If you'd like to invest with Barita Investments Limited, visit our website at barita.com or contact us at 876-926-2681 to get started.